God in heavenly places. Amen. Now we haven't moved to heaven and we've never been translated to heaven, but yet we do have the experience of living in the heavenly. And living in the heavenly simply means the life of faith. That's all. That's how simple it is. You believe God, you live in the heavenlies. At least your mind can travel there very freely. Your thoughts can embrace heaven. You have someone in heaven that intercedes for you. So as we look at it and as we think about it, it's such a beautiful situation. Now he's, uh, he is speaking to the believers and he has told them first about, uh, he's told them about uh, they're made alive in Christ Jesus. And that's that first and second chapter, thanksgiving and prayer. He talks about uh, not only made, being made alive in Christ, but being one in Christ. And then Paul goes out uh, to share with them his tremendous job of preaching uh, to both Jews and Gentiles. Such a special man. Such a special vision. And then he goes on to share with them the unity of the body of Christ. And within that unity, we must live as children of light. And that simply means that, hey, we've got to be transparent. And transparent simply means living a life unto the Lord. Living a clean life unto the Lord. And this is important. And he goes on to uh, share with us uh, the obligations of husbands and of wives and of what existed then and doesn't exist today. Slaves and masters doesn't exist today. It's not part of our uh, society. But he ends up his words to the Ephesian church in such a powerful way. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the sixth, that's the tenth verse of the sixth chapter. The interpretation of the living Bible just a wee bit clearer. Will someone read to me the Living Bible, the 10th verse of the Living Bible? Anybody have a Living Bible here? Last of all. Yes. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Where, Cheryl? Within you. Read that again. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. All right. Now you say, uh, doesn't it say the same as, well, it's a little different in terms of understanding it. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And be strong in the Lord means strong in your faith, strong in your worship, strong in your love of the Lord, okay? Why? Because when you're strong in that way, no matter what comes to you, you have strength to take it on. You see, folks, we get bowled over. We get rolled over. We get buried because we're not strong in the Lord. We're strong in ourselves. We're strong in our own personalities. We're strong in what we think we want and what we think we should have. But you've got to be strong in the Lord. And being strong in the Lord is a whole different ball game. And, uh, and it says the power of the Lord within you. You see, 
every time you read the word, every time you pray, every time you have a quiet time with the Lord, every time, every single time, you are storing up energy. It's unbelievable. When you pray, when you read the Bible, when you have quiet times with the Lord, it's, it's, it's the energizing force of the Christian. We're energized. It's, it's like putting those batteries in the, uh, you know, those little things that you put in the wall and you can have them uh, powered out in just overnight. Well, this is what it does to us. And, and you say, this, this is where faith works. You believe in God. You believe in the Lord. Well, start believing in the active power of God in you. You love the Lord. He loves you. You are powerful in Him. Now, the thing is that we think powerful is going out and uh, uh, slaying a giant, uh, if you know what I mean. We think powerful is laying hands on people and they're slain or they're healed or this or that. No, 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 no. Powerful means that the Word is rich. It's full in you. And it's so rich and full that no wind of anything is going to come and tear you down. Oh, hey, it will shake you. My God, will it ever shake you. How many have been shook? Oh, folks, I've been leveled. Yeah. But thank God, once again, you know, you, you, the pieces come together. And you pick yourself up. And you start to go and you say to yourself, God, I don't think I'll make it. I don't think I'll make it. But something within you, it's the power of God within you saying, oh, yes, you can. Because the power that works within us is not the power that comes from positive thinking. It's not the power that comes from some uh, slick, uh, what shall we say, uh, mental food. No, no, no. The power that comes to us is the truth of the word of God. Truth that Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but she won't pass away. That's what Jesus says about the word. It'll never pass away. It'll be strength within you. It will be power within you. And this is very important. That's what it's all about. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And let me tell you something. You lack no power. You say, oh, sister, I'd like to do that. Oh, I'd like to do a lot of things, too. I'd like to do a lot of things. And I've been maybe blessed of the Lord in a special, in a special way uh, from way back. I remember going to Cuba in 1951. And at that time, Cuba was in the most unbelievable revival you could ever, ever know. But well, let me share with you, 1,500 people were baptized in one day. That's the type of revival that hit Cuba at that time. <coughs> And God gave me the opportunity to go uh, spend the whole summer after I graduated from seminary. And there I was, a place permeated with God's power. In less than a year, over 15, 20, 25, 30 new churches rising up all over. And I'm not talking about storefront churches. I'm talking about uh, cathedrals that they built. Uh, one of them was the Templo Alleluia in Camagüey, Cuba. And oh, I tell you this to simply tell you that I've seen God's power move. I've seen God's power unleashed on a whole country. Now this was very prophetic because God said 
uh, to Kenneth Strachan, who's a missionary who has gone to be with the Lord, that South America would be covered with a tremendous cloud and that the Christians should move on it and move on it with tremendous power because it was necessary to sow the seed in fear of what would come. And hasn't it come? Didn't Cuba, hasn't a black cloud settled over her for over 25 years? And look at Central America. And I thank the Lord, uh, in, in, in at least eight of those countries, God permitted me to work in that commission that was given to Kenneth Strachan in evangelism in depth, going places. What I want to tell you is I've seen the power of God. I, I've prayed for a little deaf kid. Uh, deaf? No. Yeah, deaf. All right. Yes, deaf. And, uh, and I, I knew, I knew when I prayed for him that the Lord had healed him, but he left the church not hearing. And uh, I said, well, I, I just know that God's worked a miracle. We'll wait on that. And in the next service, the mother came up to me and brought me a little rock. And uh, I said, what is this all about? She says, well, while he was sound asleep, he heard an explosion in his head. And this came out of his ear. So probably in child's play or in what? It was the size of a large bean. Uh, that kid must have sent it in there, and that just finished up his, his, his ability to hear. And that night it popped right open, and it came out, and the child was hearing. Amen. Folks, miracles and wonders are possible. Yes. But I want to tell you something, and this I give it to you from the bottom of my heart. It's not so much a miracle that blind eyes are open. Because there are blind eyes that open and still in years to come uh, do not find salvation. They enjoy the miracle. They enjoy being able to walk again. They enjoy being able to see again. But it's not always uh, the consummate miracle. What is the consummate miracle? The consummate miracle is that you and I be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that you and I know him and worship him and adore him. Uh, and that nothing shake our worship. That nothing shake our ministry of love to him. This is the most important thing in the world. And I say this with all of my heart. Yes, I've seen miracles. I've traveled in big places. You know that. I don't have to tell you. And I'm not, I'm not lording it over anybody. But I'm going to tell you something. I've come to one conclusion. I want to see people saved, get close to God, and never leave him. Never, never, never. We are not a perfect organization. And now I say to you what many people say. Some people say Christianity has failed. If Christianity means us, you better believe it. We fail at every turn of the curve. We fail every time we fail to even smile. But has Jesus failed? No way. Jesus never fails. Never fails. And if we're looking at people, we will find the faults of disaster. But if we're looking at him, he stands forever. And I thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of the Ephesians. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he goes on and he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I don't think I could even start to tell you how intense the devil's fight against your life and your soul is. I couldn't even start. His mechanisms are very powerful. 
His agents on the face of the earth are many. And there are times you're surrounded by them. Have you ever walked into a place that you know is ugly? It may be glittering with gold and silver. It may be outstanding with very elegant people. But yet the spirit is wrong. There's something not only heathenish, but there's something demonic about the place. You know it's right. You know what I'm talking about. Now you say, well, what do we do? No, Christians don't have to stay away. What we have to do is, no matter where we are, be Christians. Now, if, you, if you're tempted by everything that's going on, then I would say stay away. I would say stay away. But if you're strong in the Lord and you're there to give a witness, hey, give it with a Coca-Cola in your hand. Give it with a smile. Give it with telling somebody that Jesus loves them. You know, we can't, we can't go to extremes. Now, if you know you can't handle the fire, you know what the word is, get out of the kitchen. That's all there is to it. But God is good to us. God is very good to us. Now, God's armor begins, why? Because a Christian's life is not a playground. The Christian's life is a battleground. And I know so many people, I keep telling you this story about this 87-year-old lady in Thessalonica, my father's church, or where my father pastored. And uh, she was having her, she was, uh, she was 87, that's right, and she was having her birthday. And then in Sunday school, we used to ask the birthday people to come up and we would sing for them and pray for them. And she came up and she said, I came to this church when I was 85 years old and I accepted Christ. She says, today I'm 87. She says, and these have been the two worst years of my entire life. And I, 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 just, I just looked out at her, and I, I was wondering if she was joking with us or she was telling the truth. My, 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 she was telling the truth. She was telling the truth. Well, you can imagine all the patterns that have to be broken by 85 and 87. You understand what I mean. A way of thinking, a way of being, a way of walking. She says, this whole new life has been too tough for me. And then she looked out at the people and she said, is it the same for you? And she was kind of trembling. And I remember coming down from uh, where I was sitting up here and just hugging her tight. And I said to her, it's the same for all of us. And you know something, darling? No se pone mejor. It doesn't get any better. This is a battle till the end. And then she looked up, she said, ay, que bueno todo. And she just hugged her. She says, everybody? She wanted to know if somebody was having an easy way out. And I said, no, all of us. Uh, well, this is it. This is the truth. We're not in a playground. You say, well, you know, you know, let me explain something to you, Sister Amy. Why should I want to get involved with a situation that gets worse? Why should I want to get involved with something that literally strips me of all my, hey, my willful energies. Well, because it's your willful energies and my willful energies that will get us right to hell. And if God doesn't strip us from them, we're in trouble. We're headed the wrong way. And you say, well, I'm not too sure of that. Well, neither were the people that lived in Noah's day. And neither were the people in Sodom and Gomorrah too sure but they certainly are not around to testify, and neither will we be. God cannot be mocked. 
You can't laugh at God. You can't make fun of him. You can make fun of us. We're easy to make fun of, but you can't make fun of God. You cannot make fun of God. Whatever his word says, that's just the way it is. Now, the Christian life is a battleground, and it's not a playground. When I say a playground, it's not a place for our pleasure. It's not the seesaw you like. It's not the high jumps that you like. It's not the, the bars that you climb that you like. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not a place of pleasure. It becomes a battleground. But you know what? It's a battleground because you have turned in to the most beautiful garden that can ever be seen. Your land that was just rocks and spires, thistles, and just weeds has been cleaned out. And you are a garden that, that, that gives forth the most beautiful flowers. And in your garden is your faith in the rose of Sharon. And in your garden is your beauty of the lily of the valley. And in your garden is the one that has said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And his name is Jesus. Oh, folks, uh, what, what we're battling against uh, is worth every bit of our energy because of who we are today in Christ Jesus. We don't even stop to take count. We don't even stop to say, hey, wait a minute. Forget me. What is God doing for me? Hallelujah. And isn't it beautiful? God blesses you, not by what you do, but by the right intentions of what you do, what he's called you to do. And even if you don't do it and you have the right intention to do it, you're still blessed. How do you like that? You say, Sister Amy, I was supposed to do something. And somebody came along and took it. And I look over, I said, were you willing to do it? Yeah? Okay, it's your prize. It's your prize. You see, in God, there aren't no losers. There are no losers. I've got a little poem I wrote. One of these days, I'll have these poems down here for you. I'm going to sit under a low light and we'll have a little coffee and cake. And I'll give you an old lady's poem book. But this poem simply has to do with that. Have you ever opened the door for someone? They never said thank you. They think you're the doorman. And then your spirit gets twisted. You want to throw the door on their back. So, you know, we have mixed feelings. I want you to know that. Have you ever said, given something and they never turned around to say anything to you? And I go on and I give like, like six or seven different examples of the things we do out of good nature, out of a good heart, and how we get paid back, all cockeyed, crooked, upside down. And then at the end it says, every hand extended was touched by the master and every word of comfort was received at his throne and every action that was within you and ready to give but they didn't give you a chance to give it was ushered up to heaven so you see folks in Christ you don't lose in Christ you become a human winner and an eternal winner and I love that I love that thing is that we've got to find our place in Christ where we become satisfied in pleasing him and our goal is not so much to please anybody else have you fulfilled your duty have you done what you're supposed to have you fulfilled what God has told you to do is that all right have you done it yes I have with all of my heart but but nothing 
you are a winner. You are a winner. Now, if you want to go around and make yourself a winner, I hate to tell you what's going to happen, because it doesn't happen too well. The only one that's not fickle is God. But everybody on the earth, you know that yourself. Have you ever told a secret, and when it gets out, you realize it wasn't a secret? You gave it to ABC, you gave it to NBC, and you gave it to CBS, and you stand there a victim. No, it's only the Lord. Now, let's, let's go on to just these quick thoughts. Listen to what he says. Put on the full armor of God, okay, so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. Then here comes the reason why, and I've been sharing it with you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whoa. Sister, you mean up there? There's, wow, just like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the only thing is they're a joke, and this is the truth. That's the only difference. That's, that's, that, that's the movie. This is the real thing. And it goes on and it says, spiritual forces in e e of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it does come. Some of you are going through your day of evil. Have you ever had a family uprising? Have you ever had one? It's very interesting. It's mothers against daughters and daughters against uh, mothers and sons against sons and, and situations that become so chaotic that you don't know if you're coming or going. And let's not talk about matrimonies because that's, a, that's like, a, like a, a usual event. But even so, it's still a calamity. It's still a calamity. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Oh, I love that. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. I love, I love the Apostle Paul. Stand, 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 stand. You kind of say, where do I go? What do I do? How do I do it? No, no, just stand. Just stand. You say, but, but, but I'm nervous. I'm hype. I can't stand. No, no, you've got to stand. Now, what do you stand on? On the truth that he loves you. On the truth that he is God. Amen. On the truth that he came from Almighty Father Amen. with a perfect redemption, sto not story, perfect redemption plan. Amen. And it came to pass in us. If you don't think you're enough of a witness of God's redeeming power, I... I I cry for you because you see after Calvary there isn't anything else we can't prepare anything better we can't share anything better we can't offer you anything better it's just what he did there and it goes on and it says the following with the belt of truth buckled around your waist belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now what on earth does that mean? You people, especially you men, because I don't uh, do any of it, but when it comes to weightlifting, when it comes to heavy manual labor, uh, when it comes to whatever is difficult, 
whatever is strenuous, there is a very important place for the buckle around the waist, for that leather band. Sometimes people with back trouble, that is the, that is the prescription the doctor gives uh, to them. Now, Paul is saying to us, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Belt of truth. Now, it's a belt of truth. It's tied around here. The enemy's coming at you. So what, what are you doing? With, what's this belt doing? What's the job of the belt? Well, it's tightening your loins. It's tightening your insides. It's fixing up your muscles and your sinews and all of this so that whatever pressure comes, uh, you can take it. And with that buckling up, you can fight all the lies of Satan. Thank you, oh, and the Satan fights with everything you've got. Satan fights with your personality. Satan fights with your high self-esteem or your low self-esteem. This is what Satan fights with. He's out there to tear you up. Now this belt of truth, you see you're picking up the weights of the enemy. You're bearing the brunt of his force on your back. And when you have the belt of truth, you're fighting Satan's lies. And just say it. Hey, folks, learn to say, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. Now, don't say it to a person. Yeah, because sometimes we get very dramatic. We don't like somebody. I rebuke you, Satan. I always remember an incident one of our directors had, and uh, somebody did something that was not right. And they went up to the person and they said, well, uh, kiba kunda kila kumba kaya kumba. And the little lady looked at her and said, what are you saying? She says, well, God always gives me things in tongues to answer back. So the director was so sweet, I love her. She says, well, I don't understand what you're saying and I don't understand anything. When Pastor Amy gets here, you talk to her like that. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and she did. And we had a great conversation. I don't think she's talking to anybody else like that. <laughs> oh, folks, let me tell you something. When you fight Satan's lies, you do it with the belt of truth. And truth is his word. And when it's oh, tight, think of the old-fashioned girdles, ladies. Where if you had a good husband, he put his foot up behind your back, I was going to say. And he pulled up. <laughs> I spoiled the tape, right? <laughs> pull, those, pull those cords of that girdle until you look like you had an hour shape. You didn't. You had the closest thing to a tourniquet. But let me tell you, the belt of truth. Fighting against Satan's lies. And don't be caught up in it. He says, Sister Amy, I've experienced that. I've experienced that. What do I do with it? Well, you just repeat scripture. You see, scripture is your greatest battleground. Ammunition, rather, for your battleground. And that's it. And that's what you got to do. It goes on and it says the breastplate. Listen to what it says. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Breastplate of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? It says that 
Abraham believed and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It says that Isaac believed and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The saints down through the years, it was counted unto them, their faith, their belief for righteousness. Now righteousness speaks of God's approval, okay? Now, how do you know and I know that we have God's approval? Not because you're good, because we're not good. Forgive me. I have to start talking positive, right? You're very good. I hope you like it, you're very good. How do you feel? Feel, feel good, good, good? No. It's the breastplate of God's approval. Now, what, what, what is God's approval? That you believe in Him, that you trust Him. Amen. That you know that His blood washes you whiter than snow. Amen. You're forgiven. No matter how weak you are, no matter how little strength you have, and don't judge yourself by another saint, because every saint is individual. Every saint has their own walk. That's why pastoring is so delicate and so important. There isn't one person here that's like the other. The only thing we can generalize in, in the teaching of the word is that we have to get into the Bible. We must get into the truth of God's word. But the assimilation of that truth, the acceptance of that truth, the walking in that truth. Hey, some go five miles, some go 10 miles, some go 25 miles, some go. But it's none of our business. We each go before the Lord. And even if you're going five miles, and somebody going 50 miles just past you doesn't make any difference. You're as righteous as he is. Isn't that marvelous? You see, that's what drops the competition off. That's what drops the negative feelings off or should. That God is not judging me by who's doing what or where they're doing it. God is judging me by what I have to do. And if I'm doing it, gloria a Dios. It's taken care of. So the breastplate of God's approval, you know what it means? Protect your heart. Just protect your heart, that's what it's for. It's a breastplate, a bulletproof vest that the police of the New York City must use now. It's, it's no longer a matter of buying it and whoever's got some money gets it. Now it's a must. How can you go out there and face the enemy without one? Well, the Word of God says it's so bad out there. You need the breastplate of God's approval, the breastplate of righteousness. God's made you righteous. And he's given you this breastplate, his righteousness, to protect your heart. It's important that you protect your heart because the issues of life come from the heart. Our, our sensitivities, our, our, our sensitivities, our our, our our, what shall we say, our emotional stamina. And emotion is so detrimental, folks. It's so dangerous. You say, Sister Amy, but love is an emotion. That's right, and it's very dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because not everything that we think is love is love. When we talk about the love of God, then we're talking about something completely different which falls right in the pattern of the protection of our heart. We've got to protect our hearts. The, the Bible says, sobre toda cosa guardada, 
guarda tu corazón porque de él mana la vida above everything that you protect in life protect your heart for from it flow the issues of life we must keep that in mind and so the breastplate protects our heart now you say sister Amy, wait a minute wait a minute uh, how does a breastplate well when when the darts of the enemy naturally that's for the shield but still when there are things that want to pang into our heart and twist our minds and give us allegiances that don't belong to us and teach us where one thing starts and where the other thing ends. Oh, this is so important, folks. Uh, I may touch a very delicate point in life, but I've got to tell it, tell it to you, and uh, we can talk later on w the way you see it. But you know, that's like the mission of parenthood. You are a parent in every way possible, and almost the mission of a parent is almost to see them through their educative years. I don't know about you, but I think that's, that's kind of the way it is. They'll be around till they finish high school. They'll be around if they go on to college, probably till they finish college. They'll probably be around till they have their titles, until they have their degrees. They'll be around. But then there comes a time when cut that umbilical cord, cut those ties. I remember a precious man from our church, his daughter was graduating, already had a job in the public school system, and uh, came out with shining colors also in her masters, so was going into a high-paying job, and she graduated on Friday, and she got married on Saturday. And her father looked into my face and he said, no logre nada de ella. I've gotten nothing from her. And I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I paid for all that education, and he's going to enjoy it. <laughs> that's right, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. And it's, uh, it's uh, no, there, there are no paybacks for folks, especially from kids. So if anybody's sitting back waiting for the car in the house, from what your kids are going to do for you, uh, that's it. <laughs> My mom and dad died, and I didn't even give them a meal. They gave me plenty of them. And that, that's the way it is, folks. That's the way it is. And I say this because it's the issues of the heart. There are times that we want to hang on to emotions that we can no longer hang on to. That's what's so glorious about Jesus. That's what's so glorious about the gospel, that you can let go. But you don't let go in terms of oblivion. You don't let go in terms of the wind. You don't let go in terms of the nothingness. You let go into the hands of God. Till that moment they were yours. And now you commit them to the eternal powers above. And if you've taught them right, they'll move on with God and they'll shall not stray Hallelujah. this is what we must trust and should they stray there's always the prodigal son and there's always a way back it continues to be our prayer it goes on and it says and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace what does readiness mean what are we talking about ready to tell others ready to tell others Hey folks, can I tell you a story? Don't wait to be public, or perfect rather, to tell somebody about Jesus. Because sometimes you say, oh, I got such a temper. And sometimes on the job, it just flares up. It takes over and everybody sees me like a demon. It's very hard to tell them Jesus saves. 
Yeah, but always remember that that temper is yours. And Jesus saves is God's. Always remember that. You say, it's not too easy. Yeah, because we don't know how to separate the issues of the heart. That's where our problems come. But tell the good news. Tell everybody you know. Folks, so many people are dying. They say by the year 2000, one out of every 57 Americans will have HIV. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. Right now, it's one out of every seven for cancer. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. We are a dying people. We are a people walking into the oblivion of nothingness. And the only thing that's worth anything is the gospel. Share it. Give it. Tell it. Take tracts. Take New Testaments. Take anything you get your hands on. Share it with people. It's the only thing we've got to give. That's the real Christmas present, folks. It's the real one. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We started off talking about the belt of truth, fighting Satan's lies, okay? Now these are just his lies. Where do lies come? Lies come to your mind, to your thoughts. Lies are in forms of question mark. Satan is an expert at interrogation. What did he say to the woman? We can eat of every tree except that one. That's what she told him. And she says, really? God said that? <laughs> well, it's probably because he's just kind of worried you're going to be just like him. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't worry if I were you. I really wouldn't. Look at it. You see, that is the lies. Now we're talking about the flaming arrows. The flaming arrows. What are flaming arrows? Flaming arrows are the insults you might receive for being a Christian. And some more than others. Because to some people, it would be heresy. There are religions that bury those that believe in Christ. There are those that deny them entrance. There are those that push them totally aside. But listen, when the devil comes with his darts in forms of insults, in forms of setbacks, and oh, can he work them out in forms of temptations, big, clear. Let me tell you something. We've got to have on us the shield of faith. I like to see that, the shield of faith. I like to see being protected from flaming arrows. And you know what? We become the best archers in the world when the power of the Holy Spirit flows through us. We can, we, can, we can stand up to it. And this shield just knocks them off. There's always the continuous need to be on top. But God's going to make you victor. Hallelujah. Would you trust him? Please trust him. With which you can extinguish. This, this is the shield of faith.
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. I love the helmet of salvation. Protect your minds. Oh, folks, protect your minds. That's what the devil wants to steal. That's the first thing drugs do to a body. That's the first thing alcohol does in your system. It goes to your head. You say, Sister Amy, but without a little bit, I don't even feel sociable. Of course not. You've got to have your brain altered in order to be able to communicate, in order to be able to be a little happy, in order to be able to be a survivor. That's the lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. You need the helmet of salvation. And what does that mean? I'm saved. I belong to Jesus Christ. He died on Calvary for me. And he's given me this helmet to protect my mind. We come against the forces of Satan that would steal your mind from Jesus Christ. Let your mind be the fertile, the fertile land for his promises. For his word. Let it be that folks. Don't let the devil just put. Every thought. Of, of, of just giving up. Walking away. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't do that. We're called into the kingdom. And the call is a high and holy one. And you stand high in that call. Hallelujah. He is your Lord. He is your master. Hallelujah. The helmet of salvation will protect your mind. I'm going to be very personal. We always are, aren't we? Joe and I get up early in the morning. We'll sit and have breakfast together. And it's funny that when you wake up and you kind of think of the day ahead and you think of the day that went by, there are so many ugly thoughts that can come to mind. This is what happened yesterday. That's never going to happen to me again. No, when I meet today, Boy, I'm going to be ready for them. And we just sit there. And you know what I say? And he says to me several times too. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The day of a Christian is like the day that dawns until its fullest, until noonday bright. That's what we can expect. Oh, folks, protect your mind with the word. Protect your mind with knowing. And then there are situations that you can't handle. So commit them to God. Commit them to God. He'll handle them for you. Because he's a true and good handler of all situations. And last but not least, I love what it says here. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Can I tell you something? The sword of the spirit, every other weapon is defensive. It's for you. It's for your protection. It's for your help. It's for you to be able to stand. Now the only offensive weapon that we're given is the sword of the word. Here it is. This is your sword. You can fight with this. This is where you can turn into, what is it, Robin Hood? I don't know which one. Any swashbuckler that, that ever, ever, ever met the screen. This is what you can use. A whoppity, 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 whoppity. It is written, it is written, it is written. I don't want 
I don't want the capriciousness of our own flesh. I just want the word of God. It's my only offensive weapon. I have nothing else. But the truth of the matter is I don't need anything else. Some people say, you know, Sister Amy, you ought to take a few lessons in psychology. Because when people come, then you'll be ready for them. You'll be, uh, you'll be able to line them up. You'll be able to go through their mental cruisings. And you'll be able to say, Patiti, Patiti, uh, you're in re- recession, or you're in regression, or you're in, uh, in, 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 whoa, whoa, there's so many titles. Yeah. Going through a transparent, no, going through a counter-transparent. Well, which is it? Counter-transparent. Well, well, Sister Amy, get them straight. Then you can handle everything. You know what I like? I like when I kneel in prayer. And I don't kneel because my knees hurt when I sit in prayer. I like when I sit in prayer and the Holy Spirit hovers over me. And he starts to put faces before me and tell me the sufferings of those he loves. That's what I like. And that's more than psychology. That is the spirit of God. When the little children come before me and the miracle of a Cheryl who never wanted to be bothered with kids and now she's got enough kids to drown in. (laughs) That's miracles. That's miracles. Miracles of people that have given up on God and on the Lord and on everything. And they come before my face. And God says, tend to this need and tend to that need. And don't forget that one and don't forget that one. That's what I want. That's what I want. 